So we're in a series uh, titled You in Five Years, and and if you remember, we've been covering some of the different things that we kind of have to get on track with if we want to reach the person we want to be in five years. Not only just the person that we want to be, but particularly the person God wants us to be. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. We talked about the importance of our decisions in week one, and we learned that our decisions really determine our destination. Not your prayers, not your wants, not your hopes and dreams, but the the decisions that you make are actually what's going to help you get to your destination. And then we learned in the week two the importance of making wise decisions when you're tempted. And how you handle temptation has a direct impact on whether you reach the you or the you God wants you to be in five years. And then we learned last week the importance we learned the importance of making wise, decision as, wise decisions as it relates to our time and how sometimes it's not necessarily bad or not necessarily wrong, but there are some things that maybe we just need to say, you know what, that's just not for me right now. It's kind of like a no for now, not forever, but it's definitely like, you know what, uh, that's just, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. So maybe we need to sit back. We learn that these decisions we make have a direct impact on our destination and where we want to be. And if you remember, we did a five-year exercise where I had everybody kind of close their eyes. So we're going to do that again today. I want you to get it to the forefront of your mind because it's important that we're thinking about it as we are going through this. Everybody close your eyes, and I want you to think of where you want yourself to be in five years. You've been 21 days of prayer right now, and you guys were capping that off today, so, so I'm sure you've prayed about it. I'm sure you've prayed to God, God, who do you want me to be? Where do you want me to be in five years? Think about how you want your relationships to look, how you want your marriage to look, how you want your career to look. Everybody got it? All right. Go ahead, open your eyes. So everything we're talking about in this series is building around that idea of becoming the person that God wants us to be in five years. And how exactly are we going to do that? And some of these subjects we need to get on track with in order to make that happen. And in order to cover what we're talking about today, I want to share a little story uh, about me. Quite a few years ago, I got out of the, the Marine Corps and I realized that um, I didn't have any close friends when I got out. Because when I was in, you live together, you do everything together with your unit. So it's, that was my friend group. I didn't really have a choice. They just kind of gave it to you. And so I'd never had to do anything like that before. And then I get out of the military. And if you, if, you know, for those of you that don't know, um, there's like the Marine Corps on one hand and then the church on the other. And they really don't mix at all. Surprisingly, I know that's a shock, but they really are totally different. The culture is not even close to the same, like at all. And uh, so I came in, like at first I had the culture shock of it, and then there's also the piece of like I'm kind of an introvert. I don't, I don't like to talk a whole. It's funny, right? You guys are all like, yeah, sure. You don't like to talk. Guys, I went golfing with yesterday. Said kept yelling at me, talking on the backswing, but they're my friends, so it's different. But I'm not the guy that's going to go up and introduce myself to somebody. I don't, I'm not that person. My wife, on the other hand, she's that person. She'll just be like, I want to be friends with that person. She'll just go up and talk to him. It's weird. Not me. I'm not doing that. And so for me, making friends and all that was always really difficult, especially getting into a completely different culture, a completely different environment that I was in within, within two months. I went from literally teaching, them, teaching people how we hurt other people to, te- to learning how to save people within 60 days. It was insane. And then I also recognized that the friend group I had 
kind of went away with it. Like, because I can't keep those same friends because they were great friends, but, you know, the military is going to take and send them off. And then I came down here, and at first I started to build friends with the church that I was at in La Plata, and I started to build friends there, and it was great, and I really started to get connected with the staff. And then right after that, it was about a year and a half after that, starting to get deeper in those relationships. It's like, here we go. Fredericksburg's calling. You're going to go down there. And then I come here, and then after I come here, it's like even more different because the church that, that I came down here, it, it wasn't like the church I had come from. And I didn't have anybody. It's not like I brought friends with me down here. It's like, okay, we are starting all over again. And I'm an hour and a half away from my friends. I'm, I'm, I'm away from my, my old unit now. So I just realized I don't have any close friends. And, and it took me a couple of years to kind of pick up on it. And for a while, I told myself, well, this is just what it means to be in the ministry. It's just, it's lonely at the top, right? Like, that's just, <laughs> that's what I thought. I thought, like, it's just lonely up here, and that's what I'm supposed to do. And I thought, like, leading an organization, like, that, it's just lonely, dude. Nobody under like, they just ain't interested in being your friend, right? And then over a period of time, I realized that that, um, that, that wasn't true. And, and the reality was, is I paid attention to what was happening in my life, and then I recognized, and I looked around, I said, I don't have a tribe of people around me at all. I mean, I have acquaintances, and I have, you know, I don't, just didn't have any close, close friends that were going to be there with me. Maybe you can relate, because society has consistently lied to us and told us that we do not need people to be successful. That, in fact, you just grind on your own, you leave everybody else in the dust, and one day you'll reach your destination, right? Isn't that the motivational things you watch on TikTok? You just keep going by yourself till you pass out, and then you get back up and go again, right? I mean, that's just, and then they say, you don't need anybody, you're not interested in that. And, and quite frankly, that's not true. That's not accurate biblically. That's not accurate psychologically either. It's not correct. In fact, did you know that um, studies show that people now are lonelier than ever? That three out of five people self-identify as lonely, as being disconnected from other people. It's not being part of a tribe. They're disconnected. Sebastian Unger, the author of the book Tribe, he's, he makes a case, a very compelling case, using uh, historical evidence and then also current evidence that we have, that society has reduced the importance of community. The society right now has reduced the importance of community, again, to the place of you don't need people. They're a nice to have, not a need to have. And that cannot be further from the truth. The Surgeon General said that we are in a loneliness epidemic. And some of us sit back and go, yeah, we're fine. I'm good. I'm fine. I don't need people that close. I'm not interested in having people that close. And then there's some of us in the room, right? Some of us sit back, and maybe you're one of these people. I've been this person before. You say, I don't like people. You ever met them people? Don't not, do not touch your neighbor. All right? It ain't touch a neighbor moment, okay? You just, but you sit back and you go, I don't like people. And, and see, I'm going to argue that's not true. You, you do like people. You absolutely like people. In fact, you were built, wired, and created to like people. Now, you don't like all of them, but you are built, wired, and created, and you go, I'm not, and I was not. Okay, fine. Don't believe my words. Believe the words of God. 
The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, we sit back and we think that that only relates to marriage, and it does absolutely relate to marriage because if it wasn't for the ladies in the room, all of us would have forgotten, I would have forgotten my wallet at home if it wasn't for Leah. I would have left all my things at home. So it's not good for the man to be alone at all. But it's also not good, particularly because he's ta- this uh, text is talking about Adam, who's the representation of all humanity. It's saying God looking at man that he just created in his own image, and God is in community, the Trinity, the three in one. He looks and says, let us, let us make man in our image, and then looks and goes, and it's not good that he's alone. He needs a group of people. And again, this is the way you were wired and the way that you were created. So when you sit back and say, I don't like people, what you really mean to say is I only like my people, (laughs) right? I mean, even my introverts are like, yeah, I got a group of people and I only like my people, right? So today, the topic we're going to talk about is just that, your people, your tribe, How on earth are you going to connect with them, and what exactly do they do for you? Because this is just the truth of it, that your tribe, your people around you, because you all have it whether you recognize it or not, your tribe, or maybe I should say your lack of a tribe, has a direct impact on your destination in life. That the people you surround yourself with, the tribe that you choose to align yourself with, the close-knit group of people who are there loving, caring, and supporting you, I hope you have it. If you don't have it, then that will also have a direct impact on your destination in life. Lucky for us, there's an excellent example of this in the Bible. And it highlights the importance of having good people around you and how significant it is that you have the right people around you. Not just people. You need people to survive. You absolutely do. But not just people. You need the right people around you. So we're going to jump in to 1 Samuel chapter 26. So I'm going to give you guys a second to find it in your Bibles. You got a second to find it in your Bibles. I'm going to give you the recap of where we are so you can track on where we've, what we've been covering or what has happened to this point because we're jumping in chapter 26. So King Saul, he started as a good king and then he went to be a bad king because he started to do things the way he wanted to do them. And as Saul began, stopped doing things the way God wanted, he started doing things the way he wanted. And then the blessing of the Lord left him, and Saul became a tyrant. And so Samuel, the prophet, goes and finds David, and he anoints David as the future king. We have a problem. Current king, future king. They don't mix well. That, that ain't good. Because current king now hates future king. Y'all tracking with me? This is a problem. So David is anointed the king, but he's not given the kingship yet. He's not given the crown just yet. And then David slays Goliath. And that's even more of a problem because David went and did what King Solomon or King Saul should have done. And he didn't do it. David goes and does it. And so the, the army of the Israelites begin to look to David And then the people of Israel begin to look to David and go, didn't the prophet say something about a kid named David? And then you killed Goliath and he's got the big sword and it's kind of a big deal. I mean, I I don't know. 
So then King Saul does what any king in that day and age does. He begins to hunt David to kill him. Because how do you get rid of the future king? You kill him. That's how you get rid of him. So that's exactly what he's doing. And David is on the run for his life. But while he's running for his life, he refuses to fight and kill Saul. And not only that, people are gathering to his cause throughout the years that he's running. Because he's demonstrating himself to be a godly man. And everything he does, the Lord is blessing. And everything Saul is doing, the Lord is not blessing. And it becomes obvious who the Lord is supporting. So, 1 Samuel chapter 26, verse 1. If you're there, say word. 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 All right, so here we go. Verse 1. The Zephites went to Saul at Gibeah and said, Is not David hiding on the hill of Hakaliah, which faces Jeshem? Historical places, okay? This is not a fairy tale made up story. So Saul went down to the desert of Ziph with 3,000 select Israelites troops in search for David because he's obsessed. He needs to kill David. His whole livelihood determined or depends on him killing David. His son Jonathan, he wants his son Jonathan to take over the throne. The only way that happens is if David is killed. So he's obsessed, taking 3,000 soldiers to hunt one person, okay? He's obsessed, and he's obviously lost his mind. And not only that, to show you how far and crazy he's gone, he's still fighting the Philistines. So he has taken 3,000 soldiers from the current fight with the Philistines. He has now removed himself from the fight with the Philistines because he's obsessed with killing David. He done gone crazy, y'all. That's a problem. Okay, so he's insane, and he's trying to kill David. And then Saul made his camp beside the road on the hill of Hekeliah facing Jeshem. But David stayed in the wilderness. So David stayed in the hill country. He's going to make it hard for those 3,000 troops to pursue him. So he, Saul makes a camp that's going to be like his base camp. And then he's going to send out scouts to try to find David. That's what's happening here historically. And when he, being David, saw that Saul had followed him there, he sent out scouts and learned that Saul had definitely arrived. What he's doing is he's searching to make sure Saul's with the army. That's what he wants to see. Is, is Saul with the army or did he just send a contingent of forces? And the scouts come back and say, yes, sir, David, Saul's in the, in the army. He's in the camp. He's with the army. And then David set out and went to the place where Saul had camped. He saw where Saul and Abner, son of Ner, the commander of the army, had laid down. And Saul was lying inside of the camp with the army encamped around him. David then asked Ahimelech the Hittite and Abisha, Abishai, son of Zariah, Job's brother, who's his big king, lots of names. I'll explain them in a second. So David looks to these two gentlemen and he says, who will go down into the camp with me to Saul? Basically, who's going to be my bodyguards? Because y'all know they want to kill me. So who's going to go into the camp with me with 3,000 other people? We're going to sneak in. It's going to be really, really, really sneaky. And they're not going to, you know, they're not going to know. So Abishai says, I will go with you. Now, Abishai is probably a name you've not heard or a name you've not heard any sermons about or really paid much attention to. Because when you're reading the scriptures, because I know you read them every day, when you read them, you probably just breeze right over that part. Because who's the big character here? Who's the big character? David, right? It's okay if you didn't know that one. It's all right. The book's titled Samuel, but it's about David. It's kind of strange. All the other books are titled mostly after the people. But it's David is the guy. 
But we learn something here, particularly from Abishai. We learn something from him. Now, some backstory on him. He's David's nephew, so he's been around him his whole life. Joab is the commander and going to be the supreme commander of David's army, so, which is David, uh, related to David also. He's also David's nephew. Um, he was one of, you guys have heard of David's mighty men before? He was one of David's mighty men. In fact, he was what we believe, they believed to be the second or possibly third in command. And David had been through a lot with this guy. He had been on the run for at least a year, maybe two by this point. So David had gathered and brought his family in. His nephew is the commander of the army. And then here's Abishai right with him in this entire, throughout this entire situation running from Saul. So this relationship has been built over a period of time. And we can assume, because of the way the families lived in those days, that they were very close. They spent time together. They built a relationship. They were deeply connected. So in verse 7 tells us, so David, because David gathers everybody, gathers Abishai. Who's going to come with me? Abishai says, I'll go slay some dudes with you. And he goes, let's go. So he gets ready. In verse 7 says, so David and Abishai went to the army at night. And there was Saul, exactly where they thought he would be, lying asleep inside the camp with the spear, his spear, stuck in the ground near his head. That's how they would sleep. They'd sleep with their weapons nearby. Abner and the soldiers were lying around him. Abner is Saul's supreme commander of the army. So you guys are starting to see the civil war, the opportunity for a civil war here and how this can be a problem. David's trying to avoid that, and David's also trying to walk in line with what God had commanded. So I've got a picture to show you kind of what the hill, what this would look like here. Is So this is David and Abishai, and that's how Saul would be. This is an artist's illustration of what the camp would be. Notice they've backed up against this hill in the ridgeline. That's what it says in the text. The reason it's that way is because it's less people that you have to surround. You can create more security and a very strong frontage of the area that you need to cover. So that's why they use a natural barrier to protect their six or protect their backside. But with with David and Abishai, they climb up the hill. And then where does that put them? Right at Saul's tent. So that's how they're in Saul's tent. Because I know a lot of you read the text and you were like, how did they sneak in? They came in the back way because that's the way that the camp was set up. And this isn't the first time this has happened. David has had another opportunity one-on-one with Saul. He had another opportunity prior to this when Saul was relieving himself in a cave and David and his men were hiding in the cave. And another one of David's mighty men said, let's kill Saul. And David says, we don't do that that way. That's not how we roll. And he goes, what are you talking about? What do you mean? We're not going to kill him? Come on. David's like, we're not going to kill him. That's not how it's going to work. And so we see that this has happened before. So the text tells us, Abishai said to David, Today, God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Now, let me, because I know last time you wouldn't do it. And that's okay. You don't have to. You don't want to violate God's command to you. You want to wait on God's timing. That's fine. I ain't afraid, though. Give me the spear. That's Abishai. He's like, I'm going to kill that dude. Okay? It's fine. You don't want to violate your hand. You don't want blood on your hands. That's fine, king. I'll take care of it this time. Let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't strike him twice. Meaning it's going to be easy. It's going to be super clean, dude. Like we're going to be in, out, he gone, right? Like that's what we're after. And Abishai, and that's what the entire world would have said too. Everybody in David's army would have been like, 
Kill him. We've been on the run forever. Ascend to the, to the kingship, David. What are you doing? Stop wasting our time is what his army would have felt like. I mean, you can hear it in Abishai's, in Abishai's voice. Come on. Don't, I won't even hit him twice. It's going to be such a clean shot, dude. He won't suffer at all. Right to the heart. Dunskies. He's going to be with God the next moment. It's not a big deal. Come on. Let me take care of it. But David said to Abishai, don't destroy him. And then he asks a similar question to what he asked the first time. Because he's balancing Abishai here. Abishai, who's emotional, who sees an opportunity that he thinks is a good opportunity, an opportunity that he thinks he should take because he's emotional and running on his, on his own kind of wisdom here. He's like, I'm ready, let's do it. David says, no, 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 don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Hinting back to what David said before. Well, you can't do that, Abishai. You can't do that. As surely as the Lord lives, David continues, the Lord himself will strike him for his time will come and he will die and he will go into battle and perish. But that ain't us. He continues, but the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed, to which Abishai is probably like, yeah, 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 I know. I'm, I'm going to do it though. <laughs> what you talking about, dude? It's fine. Just give me the spirit. Easy day. David says, no, 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 that's not how we are going to do it. Now get, your spe now get the spear, David said, and the water jug that are near his head, and let's go. So David took the spear, the water jug near Saul's head, and they left. And no one saw or knew about it, nor did anyone wake up. They were all sleeping because the Lord had put them into a deep sleep. David had the opportunity to kill Saul, Abishai was going to take care of it for him. He's going to do the dirty work. That's a pretty good deal. At least that's, that's what the world is going to think, and that's what everybody else is going to think. Now, what's important here is David stopped Abishai from doing something that went against the will of God. God said, you cannot kill Saul. I'm going to take care of it. And David said, all right, I trust you, God. Whatever you need, your timeline, your will, your everything. You heard him say it right here. Whatever you need to do, however that needs to happen, I'll just keep running for my life until you're ready, okay? Which most of us wouldn't react that way. And so David has one opportunity. He says, no, 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 we don't do that. And then the second opportunity, he stops one of the other men in his army from making a bad decision that's going to go against the Lord's will. In other words, David stops Abishai and says, that's not God's way. The way of the world, the way that the, everybody around you is going to tell you to do it, is not God's way, Abishai. It's not his way. And we are not going to handle things in that manner. And Abishai goes, what, David? That's how we win. Come on, we've been on the run. We can be in the palace. All we got to do is just give me the spear. One time, easy day. David, no, 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 no. That's not the right way. That's not God's way. And here we find David, a friend, step in and stop Abishai from making a horrible decision. Because even though that's what felt good or what seemed good at the time, if it wasn't God's will, you don't want that. Something would have gone worse. If God said, don't touch Saul, don't touch Saul. And David knows that. 
Abishai's running high on emotion. He's been left in the wilderness running from this guy for years now, and he's frustrated, and he's watched David kill Goliath. He's watched David be a better leader. He's watched Saul lose his mind, and he sits back, and he's frustrated, and in his heightened emotional state, he's like, give me the spear. God sa- and David says, no, 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 that is not God's way. Abishai goes, yeah, but David, no, 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 I know. I know the world says that's how we do it. I know that's how the people around us say that we do it. But that's not how we do it. That's not how God says we do it. Listen to me. You need a David in your life. You need David who's close to you, who's in your life, and say, ho, 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 hold on a second, that's not a good decision. To come in and say, wait a second, did, isn't, didn't you say you want to be this type of person in a few years? Didn't you say you want to, that God's calling you in this direction? Didn't you say that this is the future that you think God has for you? I mean, didn't God, didn't you say, I don't think that that is a good decision. And they're going to sit back and they're going to say, hey, I'll go with you, but I don't think that's going to work out for you. And they stop you from making that type of decision. Or they're going to sit back and say, hold on a second, just slow down. Just think about it for a moment. Just slow down. Don't make such a hasty decision. When you make a decision quickly, most of the time it's not a good decision. You need a friend. You need a tribe. You need a David that's going to be by your side that's going to stop you from taking the spear and pinning Saul to the ground. And it's going to feel like that it's the right decision. But if you have David close by, you know, it's not going to be. Because he needs, you need somebody close to you that's going to sit there and say, that's not God's way. So if you're a believer in the room, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is for you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you need a group of friends in your life that are going to help guide and direct you on a path. But if you're a follower of Jesus or if you're interested in it, you need a group of people or at least a few that are close to you that say, that's not God's way. Because if you don't have that group of people, you will begin, and I I already know because I've experienced this myself and with other people, you will begin to justify killing Saul. You will begin to justify it. And without David in the mix, you will give excuses and reasons why. And plus, the world's telling you it's the right thing to do. Who cares? Sleep with him. Who cares? Sleep with her. Who cares? Spend your money that way. Who cares? Go ahead and buy that thing over there. It doesn't make any sense. Without David... In the mix, sure, treat your husband that way. Yeah, absolutely, treat your wife. Nobody cares, right? The world says do whatever you want to do. If it makes you happy, do it right now. And David, you need a David in the mix who's going to say, hey, hey, that's not God's way. That's not God's way. Because without it, you're in danger. You're in danger of yourself. You're in danger of making excuses for these things. And it's not a wise decision. The single most, the single most important thing that affects your walk with Jesus, one of the single most important things is the people around you. It's the people around you. It is. I say it this way. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Just show me your friends. Show me your group of friends, and we can almost predict with certainty where you're going to end up in a few years. And another point, notice I said you need David. 
not Saul. He's crazy, not connected with the Lord. That's not, wor- that's not going to help anymore. You need David. You need somebody who's close by who knows the will of God. You need a good group of friends who are going to help keep you on track. Here's something. Have you ever noticed that good leaders don't spend time with toxic ones unless they have to? You ever notice that? Have you ever noticed that the really good husbands don't hang out with the really not good husbands unless they have to? Have you ever noticed that that the really good moms don't spend a whole lot of time with the moms that aren't really good to their kids? I mean, have you noticed that? Have you noticed that the people, for just lack of a better phrase, that people, generally good people, spend time around good people? That's how they became good people. And generally, bad people spend time around, can you guys guess? Bad people, and then before you know it, they're bad. And you sit back and you go, and you have friends like this, don't you? You have friends like this. You absolutely do. Where you sit back and go, I don't know why she's hanging out with that group. They ain't no good. And every parent in the room that has a teenager has thought this. You've had a teenager and you sat back and you've been like, I don't want you hanging out with her. Right? And you're like, I don't want you hanging out with him. Why? Because they're dangerous to your life and to the future of where you want to be. Why do you think it's any different for you? I heard it this way, and this is a, this is a tough way to say it. Cops don't hang out with criminals. <laughs> don't hang out with people who are going to jeopardize your relationship with your Heavenly Father, that are going to jeopardize your marriage, that are going to jeopardize your future, that are going to jeopardize what you are setting out to do and what your Heavenly Father has called you to do. Because when you hang out with a bunch of people like that, you will be, be pulled off the track. And for some of you, that's what's holding you back. You've been praying these 21 days for a spiritual breakthrough. You've been waiting. You've been doing it all. You've been, you've been God, come on, God, come on, God. Come on. I've been at this for years. I've been at this for so much time, right? You've been pushing, pushing, pushing. But yet the people you surround yourself with are not people that, that talk to God regularly. And they're not people that have your best interests at heart. And they're not people that care about you. And they're not people that are going to actually add value to your life. And then you sit back and you go, Lord, I'm ready for a spiritual upgrade. And God's like, I can't upgrade you with that group. While you're hanging out in that space with that tribe, I can't do anything. Better yet, I won't do anything. Because if I do, you'll just squander it. You'll waste it. Because of the people that you are around. For some of us, you're with the wrong tribe. You're with the tribe that still drinks incredibly heavy. You're with the tribe that still gets high. You're with the tribe that still that doesn't care about their wife at all and they go and do whatever they want to do. You're with a tribe that doesn't care about her husband at all and they don't care at all. They're just going to go do whatever they want to do. You're with a tribe who's going to blow all of their money on things that don't make any sense and value their family at all. For some of us, we've been sitting here praying, God, help me, God, help me, God, help me. And then we look around and say, wait a second. Where's my tribe? Where's the people around me that are going to lift me up? And if you are going to be the person God has called you to be and be the person that you believe God is leading you to be in five years, you have got to have David in your tribe, not Saul. 
You need David, not Saul. And so some of you sit back and go, okay, Brandon, I'm ready. I want to do that. What on earth does that even look like? I'm going to make it super easy. You ready? I'm going to make it so easy for you. If you're ready, say I'm ready. Okay, ready? Get connected to your local church. I can't imagine a better group of people to get connected to that are going to be there for you, that are going to be your David in the midst when you're about to stab Saul. I'm just saying. I mean, I don't know. So as, as a follower of Jesus, and I'm going to say something strong, and I'm not going to apologize. As a follower of Jesus, I do not know why when the Lord said that you will have trouble in this world, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And when he had 12 disciples, and then he had three tight-knit groups, you for some reason think you can get away from that. And we think we can get away from that. You need a group of people. And you go, Brandon, I don't know where to get started. You saw the connection card. We got a digital, y'all. We high class, high class, okay? We got serving teams to be a, that you can be a part of. I encourage you to be part of a serving team because that's when you start to build community is when you show up here early and you put the work in and then you see it all come to fruition and then there's no better feeling to watch somebody give their life to Christ and you and your team are standing in the back and you know that you were a part of it. And you know that you had a handle in it or a hand in it. Or when you're serving in the kids' wing and we baptize one of those kids in the river, there is no better feeling than to know that you were part of the tribe that impacted that kid's life. Because when you are alone, your impact is minimal. But when you are together with a tribe, your impact is tremendous. You see it all across the New Testament in the way God and the way that Jesus pours his spirit out into the world. We have, we, we talked about Lyft, there's men's breakfast, before church, maybe you guys don't know this, but before church at like 9 o'clock, the adult Sunday school meets in here in the back classroom. What is it? 9.30, see? 9.30, 9.30. They meet in the back classroom. If you're an early bird, come in and be part of that tribe, be part of that group, because you have the opportunity, okay? You have the opportunity, and there's people around you that are waiting that want to do that and be that for you. And if you're one of those people that sit back, and I understand, I've been there, and you go, I can't, I just don't have time. You know, I feel so sorry for you. Because to try to walk this life alone in that world out there, all by yourself, and I'll be praying for you. I couldn't do it. There's no way. There's no way that I would even come close because show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You're spending the time somewhere. Why not invest it in people who are going to build your life rather than people who are going to take away from it? I, I do this. I have two friends here in Fredericksburg. I have friends all across uh, Virginia now, but I have friends and two friends here in Fredericksburg. They're pastors. They are not connected to our church in any way. They just, you know, sometimes we do things together with them as part of a bigger group of pastors. They're not connected to my district. They're not connected to the network. They're not connected in any form or fashion, except they are just connected to Brandon. Not pastor. I don't need, I don't, I don't need that. I want, I want somebody connected to Brandon because I want David when I'm about to stab Saul. The pastors don't stab Saul. Yeah, we do. <laughs> not when David's there. You're right. That's why we have David. 
But I do. I have friends that sit down and they can go. And I've invited them in and given them, given them that opportunity. And we have standing meetings that I sit with them and we sit with one another. And we call each other out on that. And it's not a huge group. Like I said, it's three of us. But we sit down and we've given permission to each other to call one another out when something is off center. And it's a safe environment. They're not connected to the church. They're not connected to the district. They're not connected in any way where it's going to make me feel like that I, I'm in danger of losing my job or I'm, I'm in danger of causing problems in the church. They just sit me down and they go, Abishai, no. <laughs> All right. I'm good. They challenge me when it's appropriate and they encourage me in the tough times because that's what a tribe is supposed to do. Because I want David in my life. Because I'm the guy that's going to call. I am my own worst enemy sometimes. But if I have David, I'm good. Jesus will speak through David. Jesus will, will pay attention and he'll say something through David. But if I got Saul, it's over. Saul ain't listening. I want David in my life. I want a tribe. And you go, okay, Brandon, I'm there. I'm ready. I want to do something like that. Well, I invite you to come to team night on September 16th. This is going to be, and you go, what's team night? I don't know what that is. Look, we are going to have food. Anybody like food? I like food. Who likes food? Oh, got a round of applause for food there just for a second. Goodness gracious. We're a church that eats. Um, so we're going to have food. We're going to spend time together, and we're going to hang out. And it's going to be an amazing opportunity. So if you are a volunteer in the church, please come. This is for you because you're part of the reason we're even able to do this. And if you're thinking about being a volunteer, or maybe you raised your hand and went, I need a tribe. Like, this is where you're like, I don't have a David. I need a David. I need a David, and I don't need David all the time like that, but I need to have a David in my life. If you've realized that that's, that's you and you're ready to get connected, this is a fantastic opportunity. It's a Saturday evening from 5 to 7. We're going to have food, and it's going to be low impact, and you'll be able to connect with your church in a way that you haven't been able to do before. Because like I said, show me your friends and I will show you your future. Because your friends and the people and the tribe that you surround yourself with have a direct impact on the destination of your life. If they didn't, why would Jesus bring them along? If they didn't, why would Paul take people with him? If they didn't, why would Abishai need David to say something to him? You need a group. So, my question, we're going to end 21 days of prayer the same way that we've ended it these last couple weeks. We're going to have a moment where we are going to pray. And if you're with your significant other or you're with, some, with somebody here, I encourage you to pray with them and figure out, is your tribe helping you? In fact, is my tribe, are they moving me closer to or further from who I want to be in five years? Because they're moving you in one direction or another. It's either closer to where you want to be or it's further from where you want to be. And so for the next two minutes, I want to challenge you to pray and let God speak to you on the company that you are keeping. 
And if you look around and go, I don't even know, you know, you like me when you got out of the Marine Corps, you're like, oh man, I don't even have a tribe. Begin praying, God, who are those people? Who are my Davids that I can invite in to my circle? So, with that, let's pray before we sing.